Hi, everybody. We are live. I know we're a little bit late, but you know, life and technical difficulties. So we're just going to go with it. But oh my, so I want to just show you something because I'm really excited about it. Okay. How cute is this, right? <laughs> so I have to wear it today because that's our logo. And at the bottom of the screen, you're going to see the link to where you you could go get your own because we, of course, collaborated with another veteran-owned small business called Really Designs. So you can go there and get your own. And if you haven't been following us on Facebook, you can get a kid's line. We have kids' t-shirts. So stay tuned for that. I'm so excited. Follow us on Instagram to see the reveal of our kids line with our new little brand ambassador. Yeah. So thank you for that. And I have to, of course, I have to, I have to show you this. And it didn't work. Hold on. <laughs> And there you go. So we have, I love when I have other podcasters on here because I get to learn from them and they're so amazing. And today we have another podcaster called, he is Keith McKeever from the Battle Buddy Podcast. So you need to go over and follow him on Facebook. But before then, hi Keith, thank you for being here today. Well, thank you for having me on. I'm so it's excited. Quite a, quite a pleasure to be on your show. Oh my gosh, the honor is all mine to have you on my show. So you have quite a story. I was reading your bio like a million times. And um, everybody's story is different. And I like to put that out there. That's why I love to have people on. So their background, how they got there, and then how what made them be who they are today and how they became that. So why don't you tell us a little bit about you and the Air Force. Okay. Well, my Air Force journey is, is one of those things I never never thought I was going to really join the military. As a kid, you, you know, you kind of think about it, but it was never really serious. Um, and then I got my associate's degree in law enforcement, and I was kind of bored, honestly. It was a couple months before turning 21. I knew I wanted to be a cop, but I also knew that having a grown-up job was going to be a life-changing thing. You know, when you're 20 years old and all you've done is school, like the whole idea was scary. And so I was just trying to figure out life. You know, I think that most 20 year olds are trying to figure out life. And the phone rang one day. It was actually an army recruiter, had a long conversation and it kind of got the, the ball rolling a little bit. And I talked to my stepdad, who was a Vietnam vet when he came home and I said, Hey, I don't know how mom's going to feel about this, but I'll ask you since you're a vet, you know, <laughs> And, and he goes, look, if you're going to do anything, join the Navy, look at the Navy or the Air Force. And, um, and he was like, unless you want to go sleeping on the ground, which of course I know not all, not all soldiers, <laughs> not even all Marines sleep on the ground, to be honest, right. honestly. But I was like, okay, all right. You know, I, I respected the guy had been in my life for a couple of years at that point. And I said, okay, sure. I'll, uh, I'll, I'll go give the Air Force a shot first. And, Long story short, like a couple of weeks later, I'm like filling out paperwork, going to MEPS. Like this is a real like, you know, hey, this is what's going to happen. But I didn't have a job. I wanted to be an aerial gunner, firefighter or security forces. And uh, a recruiter called me right around my birthday, which is in late March and said, hey, I, I had a guy who broke his leg. He can't go. He's guaranteed security forces job. Do you want it? 
Well, it was one of my three choices. So I said, uh, how long do I have to think? He goes, I kind of need an answer today. Uh, <laughs> so, <laughs> so I was like, okay, all right, well, give me a couple hours at least, you know, let me figure this out. And I just decided, you know what, if I'm going to do this, if I'm going to join, I might as well join now. Cause if I sit and wait for six months, I may talk myself out of it. Who knows? And so that's, that's how I ended up in the air force. Um, went in April of 06, went security forces, I stationed in Japan, uh, Scouter Force Base, did two deployments to Iraq, spent a little time in Ecuador. Well, there's there's a whole lot to that I could go over that that happened in that time. So that's how I that's how I ended up getting in and and the reasons why. Uh, so you spent how how many years did you serve? I was in for five years and seven months and like twenty days, if I remember right. Oh I think I saw God. that on my DD two fourteen somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> so why didn't you? What prompted you to? just to get out of five years. There's a, there's a lot of, a lot of things there, you know, mm -hmm. the, the two deployments. Um, yeah. Just things that happen to your body start kind of adding up and, and other things like that. So, you know, it's one of those things. I mean, I could have maybe gone a little bit longer when I first got in, I was thinking 20 years, like everybody else, like, yeah, I'll just do 20 years. Yeah. Right. No, no. I think after four years, I was like, maybe another enlistment, I re-enlisted and then some things happened and I ended up getting out at five years, seven months and 20 days, roughly, whatever it was. So all well, things I, seem to work out for a reason. You no, know, and, and you're right. And I, and I want people to know that it doesn't matter how long you serve, you served and everybody goes through different things. It doesn't matter how long you're in for. There's, it, it's a hardship on you physically and mentally. And so we all have our reasons for when we're like, you know what, it's time. And we, we did what we could do. So well, I got mad respect for those people who do 20 or 30 years. Cause it's just unbelievable <laughs> to me. <laughs> when I was a little butter bar, second Lieutenant in Germany, I met the, my first uh, interaction with a um, brigade Sergeant major who was retiring after 30 years. And I sat in that auditorium and my mouth was just dropped open. I was like 30 years. He was in since he was 17 and stayed. He just, I had so much respect for him. I didn't even know what to think. I mean, I was brand new and I was like, holy shit, that's such a long time. I mean, you can't quite fathom it when you're, you're probably you know, 23, 24 or so exactly. at the time, something like that. Like, oh gosh, they've had uniform on longer than I was. I've literally been alive. Like it's, yeah. it's kind of crazy when you think about those things. Like, there's, there's no way I was mature enough at 17. To, to even do something as responsible as that. I was still trying to figure out my life. So before all, before you enlisted, you said your dad was a veteran? Uh, my stepdad was. Your stepdad. Okay. Yeah. And so, and he, he served in what uh, branch? Uh, he was Air Force during Vietnam. So he went in as a loadmaster, cross-trained, did some PJ stuff in Vietnam, and uh, then got out. He was uh, in the guard for a little while. The, the exact timeline on that, I'm not sure, but another four or five years, something like that, I think. Wow. I, I always think it's so fascinating that I, the only thing I knew when I joined the army, joined the army was the army. I didn't know anything else. And so when I met people from Vietnam, um, I was just like, wow, because you don't pay attention in history until you talk to somebody who's been a part of history. And you're like, okay, this is a whole different ball game. So I think it's, I think it's so amazing. Liv, can we talk about when you lost your dad? Sure. I'm a pretty open book. 
Okay. So you lost your dad to, to cancer when you were 16. Yes. I can't, I can't even, I don't even want to ask you, how was that? Um, I want to ask you, how did you heal from that at 16? Going yeah. Until you, you know, that, the whole thing was kind of a blur because that was, uh, he passed away in November of 2001 when I was 16. And uh, my sister and I didn't find out he had cancer. We found out on, on Easter morning. Uh, of that year. And we knew he had bad back problems that were creeping up for a couple of years, but really didn't think much of it. And then he sat us down Easter morning <clears throat> and my sister and I had to go to, we we're going to church that day to help with our youth group. So I said, look, before you guys go, we got to sit down and tell you, you know, I've had this back pain, whatever. We went to the doctor, the doctors confirmed it's cancer. You know, so there's a lot of emotions that come out, you know, you don't know what the future is going to hold. They said, you know, we're going to do what we can to fight it. And I said, I'm going to do chemo and radiation this summer. I just turned 16. So literally just a few weeks before that. So we go to church, you know, emotional wrecks. I mean, it was probably the best place to go uh, right after hearing that. Had a lot of family there that that didn't know. And we, you know, kind of broke the news to them. But we had support around us. Probably really helped that day. Uh, that summer, I ended up driving him to and, to and from his chemo and radiation appointments. Uh, that was kind of my... I don't want to say first job, but that's what I did that whole summer. And, you know, unfortunately in September of 2001, obviously, you know, a rough time for, for most, uh, most people and in the United States, but, um, you know, he was still in the hospital getting worse, brought him home on bed rest and, you know, he passed away in no, early November. So that was tough. What probably got me through that was my close group of friends. You know, I had a group of friends, some that I hadn't really been super close to for a few years, others I'd been close with for a long time. And uh, they rallied around me and really made those last couple of years of high school bearable. You know, I always had somebody to hang out with. Um, my mom had a pool table and an air hockey table in the basement and video games. And it was a it was one of those things where she welcomed all my friends over. I knew all of their parents. Their parents were like secondary parents to me. So it was a really close knit group. Everybody knows each other in small town USA, you know? And so we, every weekend we'd be at somebody's house or hanging out with everybody. So she knew where we were at, what we were doing. Totally different world than these days, I guess, yeah. uh, with kids, you know, um, didn't have cell phones or be able to track me that way, but she knew where I was at. <laughs> and, you know, they, they were really instrumental in getting me through that. I think it was just kind of a distraction, you know, and then after time, you just kind of process it and it is what it is. It sucks. Cancer sucks. Um, you know, it's a painful thing, but it also gives you a lot of insight into life and how fragile it can be, right. you know, for somebody who's just seemingly healthy and just going throughout their life, you know, in less than a year to see them just whittle away to hardly anything, you know, not being able to control anything and just, you know, a vegetable in a bed, quite honestly, for the last few weeks. So, you know, it was a it was a difficult thing to endure, but it gives you some gives you some perspective, for yeah. sure. And what where did you grow up? Uh, Central Illinois, around the Peoria, Illinois area. It's about halfway, and that's where I'm at now. It's about halfway between uh, Chicago and St. Louis. Okay, I I love that you had that uh, tight knit group. I I miss that growing up. I, I grew up in a small town. It was a small town back then, Simi Valley, California. But like you said, you were able to go wherever. You didn't have the phones. You didn't have all these things that make everything so crazy right now. It was just simple times back then. 
And I just, I, I wish we had that again, but it's just. Yeah. Nobody has cell phone, uh, cell phones with cameras on them. Uh, you know, <laughs> nobody text messaged, you know, it was back in the day. I mean, pretty much date myself with what I've already said, but, uh, <laughs> well, you know, 16 like, 2001, but I mean, you know, our, our phones, that's back when you had to ask people if you could, uh, if they had the, the, uh, the ability to text, you know, if they, <laughs> if their parents weren't going to get upset by the extra charges on their bill. Oh my gosh. Yes. As long as I was home before the lights came on. <laughs> as I said, it's a different world these days. If you're raising kids, it's a totally different world. So It's not easy. There's no book. So now let's get into how do you, the real estate industry. How do you, how'd you do that? Well, uh, that is also, there's family ties on that one too. So my father got his license. He worked at a coal mine. Uh, another lesson I learned from him growing up is always to do, do a job that you love. If you don't have a passion for it, why the heck do it? You know? Yeah, yeah. And he was a walking example of that. He hated working at a coal mine, but it had good pay and good benefits or decent mm -hmm. benefits. At least I don't, I don't guess I can't really speak for that, but it was enough for him to stay at the job. And in 1988, when I was about three, he got his real estate license. And of course, real estate was a lot different back then than it is now, but he needed a little help. So he asked my mom, she was a stay home mom at the time. She got her real estate license that year and started helping him out and just took off from there. And then when the coal mine shut down in the mid nineties, he jumped into real estate full time with her until he passed away. Uh, they built a log home. So I grew up in a log home out in the country. They sold log home packages. They sold real estate. They had rentals, they had flips. So very literally when I say we had conversations at the dinner table, where my parents are talking about clients and inspections and all these different things like that was just normal verbiage at our house growing up. It just wow. was what, you know, they would close the door. They'd be in their office. They'd be in there plugging away at their computer, doing stuff, running errands. Was, you know, they had to actually physically go get copies from people instead of electronic signatures back then. But, <laughs> you know, there was times at 930 at night, all right, kids pack up in the car. We got to, we got to drive, you know, 45 minutes and go get a, one signature. Oh, wow. You know, so they were always on the road, always on the go. It was, it was a very interesting childhood. So, you know, but, so it was very literally around and, you know, mom would always say, well, one of these days, maybe you'll get in real estate with me. And I always brush it off as no way. And then a uh, year after I got out of the, of the air force, my youngest was born, he was born premature. And the company I was at wanted me to promote into an assistant manager job, go somewhere else. I knew it was going to be at least six hour, six to eight hour drive away from home. And I was like, you know what? I can't do that. I got to stay where my support structure's at because we don't know what kind of issues are, you know, right around the corner for us. Mm -hmm. And mom's like, Hey, uh, here's an opportunity knocking on the door again. You want to get into real estate with me? And so that's what I did. And you know, it's, it's been that way ever since. And you've been doing that since 2013. Yep. Nine years, uh, just, just under nine years with her, uh, her and I as business partners. And, uh, I just, just literally this week made a move. Um, I'm on my own now as an agent, but you know, we still, we still have a, a close relationship and figure out ways to help each other out. And I couldn't have asked for a better mentor. That's for darn sure. Oh man. Congratulations. That's, that's a big step. I, I can't, I can't imagine. I, I do have my sister-in-law and my brother-in-law are real estate agents and they're always on the go, always on the go. So I, that's a whole other world and, and but you love it, obviously. Well, I think the thing I love about it is not every, you know, no two days are the same. Yeah. Really? I mean, I might have two days in a row sitting in my office, but I'm going to be doing completely different tasks, different phone mm -hmm. calls, different issues that pop up. And it's, 
it just changes it up. That way, you know, it's not some mind numbing thing where you're doing the same thing over and over and over and over again, every single day, five days a week, whatever. So keeps you on your toes. <laughs> so tell us about how you started or why you wanted to start the battle buddy podcast. Well, I noticed, like I'm sure you've probably noticed any veteran who's on Facebook has probably noticed this, that if you, if you're in enough groups, you see veterans struggle with all kinds of issues and they're, they're publicly putting their stuff out there of, you know, Hey, I've got a problem with X, Y, Z, or I'm having a problem with my spouse. I got a problem with my kids. I've, I've got a problem with my PTSD, you know, around the 4th of July or mm-hmm. all these different issues that pop up. And I started noticing it. There was a trend and they kind of started falling in certain categories. Mm-hmm. Some of them was employment. Some of them was personal finance. Some of it was just personal relationships. Some of it was just being completely disconnected from the veteran community, but it all kind of fell in just a handful of categories. And at the time being, an agent and driving around all the time, I was listening to podcasts left and right. You know, I was listening to a lot of stuff from Gary Vaynerchuk and, and some other people hadn't really kind of discovered some of the military stuff yet. Uh, not, not too deeply, but I was, you know, if I got a 30 minute drive, I was going to listen to a 20, 30 minute podcast or an hour long one. I'll listen to half one there, half coming back. Yeah. And so uh, right before the pandemic, I was like, you know, I could create my own and I could just interview people. And talk about their problem, you know, what they've overcome and inspire and educate others. And by sharing their story, hopefully it helps somebody just take one little actionable step that can, you know, have a compound effect throughout time. Mm -hmm. And so that's kind of where it started. And it's just blossomed from there. And it's been awesome to have, as you know, you know, to talk to other people and hear their stories and share it. And you just never know how and where that's going to be impactful. So it's been uh, quite a, quite a journey for sure. No, it's really great. I I think that it's so important for us, especially to create that platform for people to be heard. You know, they just need to come on somewhere, anywhere, and someone just needs to listen. And then whoever's listening to that, you never know what that's done for them. And I think that's one of the most amazing things. The most heartfelt things is to get, a message saying, I listened to your episode and oh my gosh, then, you know, you're like, yep, this is why I do it. So how long have you been doing that for? Uh, the original idea hit me right before the pandemic in 2020, mm-hmm. somewhere in mm-hmm. January, I kind of started framing it out. Didn't know just like anything that you start in life. <laughs> where do you start? Right. It's like a kid <laughs> picking up their room. So I was like, man, I don't, I don't know where to start, you know? And I just started with a list. I was like, okay, who would I want to interview? Right. Who do I know? And that at some point in time, it dawned on me. I don't know when it was, but the name, the battle buddy podcast, I said, you know, what speaks to people is letting them know that somebody else has walked in their path, that they're not alone. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and of course being air force, everything was wingman, but I was security forces. So we had to do everything <laughs> different. So we had battle buddies, you know, the, the bigger air force, you know, had wingmen. And so it just kind of stuck. I was like, you know, it's a universal term that everybody, in the veteran community will know and understand. Yeah. And so I was like, it, it just seems perfect. And, you know, like even the logo, of course it's on my hat and I'm all backwards here, but <laughs> yeah. turn my head the right way for, for the video. But <laughs> my wife even created that. She created all of it on can before me and everything. And it, it just fits like two people, you know, draped in a flag walking together. And I was like, it, it's weird how things just kind of fall right in your lap. And then the first yeah. interview I did was with a guy named Jeff Sykes. I knew him through the honor flight. 
that I've been involved in. And I can tell you honestly, the probably five minutes into it, I knew it was exactly what I, what I needed to be doing. When he started sharing about his issues and TBI, PTSD, his suicide attempts and how a service dog saved him. Oh, I knew immediately God. I was like, yeah, yeah, there's, um, there's some impact that can be made by people sharing their stories. And so I've that just is- been energized after that. Like, <laughs> it's weird. My mind is flipped. I'm like, who do I need to talk to? Who's got a story? Like, who can I have right. on next? Right. Cause I just <laughs> see the power in it, you know, no matter what it is, if it's sometimes they're deep and sad, sometimes it's, uh, you know, it's somebody talking about, you know, nonprofits or they're talking about franchising or something that's for some people going to be completely boring and not applicable at all to their life. For others, it could be super valuable. So, you know, the the topics definitely range, which is awesome, too, because I get to learn along the way. That's that's the best part is we run into so many different people and every person has some kind of impact on you. You learn something from every person and it just it it recharges you again. Right. You're like, yes, I want to keep going. So what do you what do you foresee? What do you want to happen in the next five years with either real estate or your podcast or anything? Oh, that's definitely a loaded question. Really, on the podcast, I just want to see growth. You know, I just growth in myself, growth in the show. I'm always trying to add resources to the to the website. You know, I I just do the podcast as my way to give back to the veteran community. So there's I don't really have goals other than just get good guests, talk about good stuff, and just uh, kind of let stuff organically happen. You know, get an idea, just just run with it, and see how it see how it can help. Right. You know, real estate, obviously, you know, sell more homes. <laughs> be easy to do if more homes are on the market. I know. <laughs> Inventory is a little bit of an issue in real estate right now. But, you know, just sell more homes, you know, grow my, grow my business there, especially kind of going off and, and starting my own thing. And, yeah, you know, it's want to help more veterans definitely understand the power of their VA home loan benefit and, you know, kind of pull back the curtain a little bit. Yeah. on all that because there's anytime you're dealing with the VA mm-hmm. they they don't make it easy to quite understand what you're getting into so no I just try to try to you know highlight the truth of what things are and let mm-hmm. people make educated decisions no that's so good they need people like you you know honest people that are really going to understand what their needs are because there's so many there's so many businesses out there who don't understand truly. So we have to get, it's almost like we need another veteran to help us so we can speak the same language. So, uh, yeah, I, I think what you're doing is obviously it's meant to be. So I think that's great. Uh, so is there, are there any nonprofits that you work with in your area that you want to highlight? Uh, probably the one that I work with the most is the Greater Peoria Honor Flight, part of the you know National Honor Flight Network. Mm-hmm. Uh, that has been very impactful for me personally. I've met so many amazing people through there, but I didn't realize until the pandemic hit because we haven't done flights in two years mm-hmm. that I I didn't realize how much I really looked forward to going somewhere, even if it was an hour or five hours and just being around other vets or other people mm-hmm. who just wanted to be there to help vets and just talk to people, you know, just going to a diner and, and finding some guy wearing a World War II hat, sitting down and having a conversation with them be like, Hey, if you, been to DC, you know, well, no, well, would you like to, <laughs> you know, I got some paperwork right here. We'll sign you up. We'll find somebody to go with you. Let's take you on a free trip, you know? 
And it's, you know, it's, it was one of those things I just, I had so much joy in, in doing and it, it sucks that the pandemic kind of ripped that away from us for a couple of years, but right. we've got flights scheduled this year. We're, we're, you know, it's going to look different, but we are jumping right back in. And that's a nonprofit that's very near and dear to my heart. So very, very happy anytime I get to help, help them with anything. So. Yeah, no, I, I love that because there's so many nonprofits out there that not many people know about. So it's so heartwarming to hear ones that are, that have specifically touched your life. And we need to broadcast that. We need to share that. Because there's, there's, there's so many that are just trying. They just want to help, but they need to be seen. So we need to just share all about them. So that that's really great. Is there any, what advice would you give to someone who is transitioning from the military? Best advice I'd have them is, have for them would be take it slow. Hmm. Um, it's going to be tough <laughs> and you don't know when it's going to hit you. It could be six months or a year later or six years later, but take it slow, soak it in. But most importantly, find a mentor, find some, some way to be connected to the community, whether it's an actual mentor or just some organization to be in that really helps. I sold furniture for a year. There was only four people in the store. And so I, I did 70 hours a week, you know, standing on my feet, hanging out with the same guys. None of them were vets. But it was still that feeling of like, it's just the four of us. We're always yeah. together. We knew each other's family. Everybody's family would come in every now and then and bring food and they'd sit down and, you know, get to know other people's kids. And like, it was just that atmosphere that really helped me transition, which was really eye opening later as I started hearing people's other people's stories of how rough they had it. Cause I was like, I, I've quite literally had, had it made. Mm. I, I was in a great environment. Yeah. So yeah, just, just take it slow and, and find that, that person that can kind of guide you through it. Yeah, no, absolutely. And, and we forget about that because we get out and we're lost, right? We don't know where to go. We don't know who to talk to. Have you personally considered being a mentor on Veterati? Yes, I am on Veterati. Yep. Okay. That's great. No, I, I'm sitting here listening. Like you have so much to add. You need to be on there to help others who are in the same space as you. So that's great. I've talked to a couple people on there, uh, more so in the real estate stuff, mm -hmm. but yeah, you know, it's awesome just to give back, you know, 20 minute conversation and point somebody in the right direction. I know. It's you such know, a good feeling, right? Whether, whether or not they choose to go that direction, who knows, but once you're armed with the information, you can make better decisions. Yeah. Going back to the, you know, the pausing thing, like you said, you know, it's lost. What are you mm -hmm. doing land navigation once you're lost? Stop. Yeah. Try to figure out where you're at. Right. <laughs> yeah. Just revert back to the same stuff. You know, don't don't keep walking in a certain direction. Figure out where you're at first. So. <laughs> oh, me and land nav, we're not friends. But yes, <laughs> I just got memories. Um. <laughs> you know, some people had that skill. Some people didn't. I, I was I was not too bad at, at the pace count, but uh don't have me shooting azimuths. That was not, that was not my cup of tea. So uh, we, we probably could be totally lost together. So luckily I, I, used, I did have good partners sometimes. I made it out just not by the time that I was supposed to. But That's okay. Well, you made it out. So <laughs> it's okay. <laughs> oh gosh. Thank you so much for being on here, Keith. Is there anything else you would like to share with those that are watching on YouTube or uh, listening? Uh, yeah, I guess the only thing I'll share is, uh, you know, knowing some of your audience is, is veteran, uh, you know, if you're struggling the, you know, call the, the suicide hotline number or pick up the phone and call a battle buddy. Yeah. And if you, you know, 
I guess for all the veterans that are listening, be the battle buddy, yeah. pick up the phone and call some people, check in every now and then. You don't have to do it every day, but mm. you know, maybe pick your, you know, four or five battle buddies and, and reach out to them on a regular basis. Yeah. You know, I, I'll be honest. I need to, I need to do a better job of that myself too. So okay. challenge accepted. Exactly. Thank you so much for everybody that's watching. You see the link at the bottom. Go to his Facebook page at the Battle Buddy Podcast. For those that are listening, go to Facebook, Battle Buddy Podcast. If you forget all of that, just go to the show notes and you'll find it there. Uh, thank you so much, Keith, for being on here. Thank you for what you do for veterans. Thank you for what you do in the real estate side because people need you out there. So, Thanks for having me. I appreciate you. Thank you so much.